Welcome to the Gallery Date. I'm Jen Singer, founder of Jen Singer Gallery. Thanks for joining me for our weekly date to chat about art and life and perhaps the art of life, all in bite-sized, not at all fancy, but definitely savory episode nuggets. Let's mingle, my friends. Don't forget to press record, Jen. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me today for our Gallery Date. I am so happy to see you. And can I just say, you look great, you know. It's back to school time, and I don't think I've ever been happier for the summer to end. And I don't even have a kid in proper school yet. Honestly, I love the summer and summer break. But one, I didn't take a proper vacation this summer. And two, it seems like everyone else in the world did. And I'm like, hello, let's get back to work, people. (laughs) I know, I know, I'm a crazy person who loves to work. Don't get me wrong. I love laying on the beach in Greece, swimming in the sea and unplugging. Yes, yes, yes. But this year was just not the year for me to do that. I spent my summer learning, planning, building, and creating. And it's so, it really, really felt so good. Um, I really needed that. And it didn't hurt that the British summer was actually summery. I live in the English countryside, so things are pretty chill when I'm not working. But I've been thinking about it. And I was so productive. And it was such a therapeutic Uh, summer for me, despite the lack of seaside adventures. (laughs) And I saw everyone's amazing pictures from all over the world where they were traveling. It looked incredible, but I don't have FOMO. I make a mean Greek salad and I have a vivid imagination. So that helps. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. I'm so excited to sharpen my pencils and officially welcome everyone back to work and school. Yay. Uh, Now let's do some amazing things with the rest of this year. Why not? Don't you just love New York in the fall? It makes me want to buy school supplies. I would send you a bouquet of freshly sharpened pencils if I knew your name and address. Okay, that last part sounds creepy, people. But it was Tom Hanks in 1999, and they were chatting anonymously via AOL. Things were just different back then. Okay, our first question actually comes from Art Frankly, who interviewed me for their blog earlier this year. It was such a fun question, and I thought I'd share it with you all and expand upon it uh, from the interview. Um, If you don't know Art Frankly, they're a free network of over 25,000 art professionals. Uh, You can post available jobs, available spaces, residency programs, and grant opportunities for artists, so it's worth checking out. And by the way, they have no idea I'm talking about them on this podcast. I um, just really like their genuinely lovely team and appreciate their support. So I'm sharing the love. Uh, Now, back to their question. What was the most important thing you learned at your first job in the arts? Well, uh, to answer this question, I have to start with my first paid job in the arts in general, which was many, many, many years ago. Uh, I was in a Safeway commercial in the 1980s when I was a little girl. For those who don't know Safeway, it's a major grocery store chain in the States. Truly the most important lesson and pretty much the only thing I remember from working this uh, first job was uh, that you can get paid doing something fun, like a commercial, which I thought was really cool. Um, And also there was craft services, which meant free food. All right. I was so young, I probably didn't understand the free part, (laughs) but um, there was so much food and I probably loved it because my mother's a terrible cook, probably. Anyway, uh, so I went on to become a performing artist throughout my childhood, teens, 20s, and early 30s. And when I found myself working in an art gallery in my 20s, almost by accident, I was job sitting for someone, I felt at home immediately. Um, I sold my first painting on that first day on the job. And I got to watch, I remember this specifically, I really watched 
this couple fall in love with this painting that they were checking out. And um, they connected with it and they loved it. They agreed, both, you know, both people in the couple agreed and they bought it. And I was so excited. It was about $8,500 and I was excited for them, but I was really, really excited for the artist. Um, I had no idea how much the artist made on that. Um, and it spurred that question, how much does the artist make? Um, this is an important question for me to ask because in my experience as a dancer in New York City, the path to becoming um, an artist and making a real living from one's art can be an expensive and tiresome struggle. So later on in the day when the gallery owner came in, um, I asked him, I was like, how much does the artist make? And he said 50% of the $8,500 sale. And I was hooked. That was a great payday for them. And I learned that this particular artist's work was really well. This artist made a living doing what they loved the most. And that was my why. I was just in awe of that because um, that wasn't really my experience in the past. <laughs> so it wasn't my first job in the arts, but it was an important one that led me down the path that I'm still on today. The most important thing I learned on that first day of work in a gallery, my first job in the visual arts was my why. I sell art to help artists earn a living from doing what they love. Um, and I also have the added bonus of keeping myself connected to what I love. Um, so it's a win-win. <laughs> so I forgot to press record again. Your reward for doing this episode is a gin and tonic. Now for some rapid fire. Choop, choop, choop. Okay, next up is a round of rapid fire questions. These are questions that have come in um, from different people that I think I can answer super quickly. So let's see, because I'm not always known for my brevity. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone who sent these in, and please keep them coming. You can DM your questions to me at Jen Singer Gallery on Instagram and Facebook. All right, rapid fire question number one. Why did you move to the UK? Well, that's an easy one. First off, I was looking for a new gallery space and found a British husband instead. Second, I was living in New York City and he was living in Florence, Italy. So I thought, why not England? <laughs> and third, the Brits love beer, meat, and potatoes almost as much as me. So it was a pretty easy choice, people. Okay, next, rapid fire question number two. What style of art do you like best? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to the type of art I like. For me, it's not really a style of work that I'm drawn to, but the feeling of work gives me when I see it, uh, what it makes me think about and experience. Then I take a closer look at the overall body of work. As I mentioned in episode four, you've watched episode four, haven't you? If not, go to thegallerydate.com toot suite after this episode. Um, but if you take a look at jensingergallery.com forward slash artists, you can see the artists I represent and perhaps see a pattern in what I'm drawn to. It really just depends on the artwork itself. So there you go. Okay, getting through these. All right, let's do rapid fire question number three. Least favorite thing about working in art? Oh man, this one. <laughs> I think it is the dodginess that the art world has thrived on. You know, a lot of old white guys helping a lot of old white guys make a lot of money. And a lot of that has been by manipulating markets. So, you know, there's story after story of dealers manipul manipulating auction sales, selling fakes, or not paying their artist commissions on sales. And some of this is from major, major galleries. Um, it's not a flattering picture of the art world, 
Um, and it's definitely not the entire picture because there are a lot of really good, honest uh, art dealers out there. Um, but it can be so dodgy. And I just really steer clear of that, you know, malarkey. <laughs> and I stay true to my authenticity. So uh, yeah, dodginess. Okay, uh, rapid fire question number four. Ideal meal after a gallery date. Oh, easy. Uh, steak frites and a Bordeaux, followed by a cheese course and more Bordeaux, and then a nip of whiskey, scotch whiskey, before bed, or whatever's next. Next. Okay, rapid fire question number five. Have you learned how to make proper GNC yet? Is this because I'm married to a Brit and I live in the UK? I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> well, I, uh, yes, is the answer. Uh, my British husband wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so I'll tell you how we make ours. And I just happen to have some gin right here. So it's crucial to start with uh, a proper GNC glass, which is this nice tall drink of water here. It is filled with a massive amount of ice. So you have to really like go heavy on the ice, uh, to be honest. It used to be up to here, but I've been talking a lot, so it shrunk down a bit. But I would really top this up with a massive amount of ice. Next, uh, the lemon. Don't go shy with the lemon. Um, I like to squeeze it right over the ice before pouring in the booze, so I'm going to do that. Have my cute little um, pink dish here. Go with a massive wedge of lemon. Squeeze it over the ice, people. Ooh, lemon going everywhere. Squeeze it over the ice. And then next you get your gin. Now, I'm using, this is what we like to drink, uh, one of the gins we like in our house. It's Padstow Gin from Cornwall. Um, and we love it, clearly. Hello. Um, so if it's a Tuesday, make it a single. If it's a Friday, um, go ahead and make it a double. <laughs> um, this happens to be a Friday that I'm shooting and I happen to be the only one in our household right now that doesn't have COVID. Um, so I'm going to make it a double people. All right. So let's get my trusty little uh, measure. So that's the single and that's the double. Let's make it happen. People exciting. Oh, it's going to struggle now. Oh, what a fun sound. All right. So I'm going to make it. Oh, and the pinky is important. Don't forget the pinky, people. Don't forget the pinky. So you pour that right over your lemony ice. Yes, you do. And then you get your trusty uh, tonic water. And, you know, Schweppes is a good choice. And also really nice sound. So refreshing. You just pop it up, people. And then with a proper stir stick so you gotta stir desperately and ferociously people you gotta make it count if it's not getting spawned we are it's you know it's not a steak and not stirred situation you gotta make it count that's it cheers <laughs> oh that's good cheers not having covid yet i am an actual expert at this that's a damn good gin and tonic i can tell you that Cheers, y'all. I think I'm going to take this with me to our next story, which is Crazy Art World News. This is the headline. It's from the Metro News in the UK. Quote, man who bought eBay sculpture after finishing a bottle of wine set to sell it 
with a 70,000 pound profit. Mm-hmm. So basically that's Brit named Gareth Palmer had just finished off a bottle of wine by himself and I'm not judging. I'm only jealous that he was able to stay awake after that. Anyway, he does a drunk scroll of eBay and finds a 14 foot sculpture listed. This is not just any sculpture. This is a sculpture by Scottish artist, Malcolm Robertson called Twisting by the Pool. So Gareth naturally starts bidding and the price keeps going up, but he keeps bidding and it keeps going up. And the price is approaching nearly 20,000 pounds when good old Gareth realizes he's been accidentally bidding against himself the entire time. He says, quote, the price kept going up and I thought I'd been outbid. Then I realized I was bidding against myself. I have two eBay accounts, one on my iPad and one on my phone. I, <laughs> I eventually outbid myself and won it. <laughs> Luckily for Gareth, I don't even know how this happens, actually. But luckily for Gareth, he realized the sculpture is worth more than the nearly 20,000 pounds he paid for it, plus 5,000 to transport it, and another 800 pounds for a police escort that a 14-foot sculpture requires. So it's going to auction. Gareth has listed it with Hanson's Auctioneers in the UK, and he thinks it could sell for around 100,000 pounds, which if it does sell for this amount... I mean, I think it just actually makes them a stinking wine drinking genius. I mean, you know. So anyway, here's to you, Gareth. I hope you win the big one. <laughs> okay, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into the Gallery Date. Join me for our date every Wednesday for a bite-sized episode on thegallerydate.com. Please subscribe, follow, rate, and review the Gallery Date on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much again for joining me, and I'll see you soon.